Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl. For those who are in an open or polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy. A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman. We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wednesday. 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 Hey. Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Well, Todd and team are out on campus today at Kennesaw State University. And we'll check in with Todd in just a moment. But first, before we do, I wanted to take just a second to encourage all of you listening today. I know evangelizing and approaching people out of the blue like Todd does on Wednesdays can seem intimidating. It's even awkward in some cases. I get it. I've been there. But it doesn't have to be. Find something that will help you open the lines of communication, be kind of an icebreaker with people. Now, you don't need to have anything, but it can definitely be helpful. Obviously, I would recommend that you go to Wretched.org and check out our evangelistic booklets in the Wretched store. Of course, I'm biased, but these are great tools and resources to have as you start conversations with people. And if you want even more help and more guidance, you can also check out the Terrified 2 DVD also in the Wretched store at Wretched.org. All right, so now that I've got that out of the way, it's my required cheap plug for the day. Let's check in with Todd and the team on campus at Kennesaw State University. You'll probably be able to guess what Nick is studying. Look at those choppers. Dude, you got nice teeth. Well, look at that. (laughs) You're going to become a dentist, correct? That's the plan. Cool. All right, so I always think about this. Anytime I go to the dentist office, optometry, ears, I just think about the complexity of the mouth, the eyes, the ears. And I always wonder how do medical professionals account for just the intricacy of the human body? It's a loaded question. It's a big one. How do I explain the intricacy? Yeah. Evolution, I guess. Millions and millions of years of biology happening, I guess. See, that's why every time I'm, I'm with somebody like you, I, I have to confess, I kind of go, but it's like, look at how, like your bicuspids, I think that's what they're called, right? And your molars, they're like in the right place and they're on a jaw, which has a mandible so that it can actually move and it can serve its function and it's got to be connected to the gums and you got the roots and the nerve endings. And I always think all of that stuff had to be designed because it's just too intricate to be random. So you would say, nope, it's random. No, it's not random. I mean... Are you coming at this of like a religious? Well, I, I, you know, I, 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 I would. Both. I think it could be both together. Simply from like a evolution perspective, though, you see millions, and millions of years of one adaptation, specifically training one trait, and that's kind of like your environment. Like the human mouth, I know, has developed over millions of years. Uh, it used to be a lot longer, kind of in the shape of dogs. I think I could be making that up. I know it was, I know it was differently shaped uh, at some point, and. At some point, it kind of developed to where, like, the molars now, they're more for the grinding, whereas before, our teeth were uh, more flared like this and more designed for tearing things. So we still have both of those functions. Um, They change over time as far as... But, you know know what, Nick, I would agree with you, but I would call that microevolution because they used to be teeth like this. Now they're teeth like that, but they're still teeth. Right. So I, I would I would go with you on the microevolution idea, but I'm talking about 
as a human being, you didn't used to have teeth, but then somehow we developed teeth. But in order to develop teeth, you had to have a root system. In order to have roots, you had to have that jawline. So everything just kind of had a need to, it had to be there altogether. Otherwise, it would have no purpose and it wouldn't evolve without all of the other elements coming together at just the right time. So I always see that stuff like the mouth and the eyes and the ears as just, it screams to me that there was a creator who designed it because it's just too designed for my understanding. What are your thoughts? I think that it could be a little bit of both. Maybe there was a creator who kind of put the starting ingredients and made the cake. All right, but the cake still needs to be made. It's always being made, I guess, right? Well, turning. True, but if I'm going to use your illustration, you got to do the recipe, the eggs, the flour, the batter. It's got to be whipped, got to be put into a pan. The oven has to exist, set to a certain temperature, cook just right. Otherwise, you burn it or undercook it. That's just a lot of intelligent design going on. And so I keep I keep looking and going, I don't know, this random thing takes a little bit too much faith for me. That's my take. I guess the earth is kind of, like earth as a whole, I guess, to, to your point, is everything that specifically needs to be and that's there is that right is that what you're talking about well i i would i think for instance a mouse trap there's i think like five or six moving parts to a mouse trap you got that little board you got the spring you got the whacker thing yeah and if you took any one of those little elements away the trigger the little thing and then the hook for it to go into take any of them away and it doesn't work it doesn't function and so it would just atrophy. It wouldn't do anything. It needs all of those parts at the exact right time or it won't function. Same thing is true with the human mouth. If all of the components of the human mouth didn't happen at the same time, there's no reason for you to grow roots if you don't have teeth. And if you don't have teeth and you don't have it, it just all needs to happen together. And so I just keep concluding there has got to be an intelligent designer because we're just too intelligently designed. I think it's almost a water-tight argument for the existence of a divine being. Your thoughts? Yeah. You go with that? You like it. Are you a religious guy? Uh, I don't necessarily follow one religion. Uh, I grew up in kind of a multi-ethnic home. So my mom, oh, I was baptized Catholic, I guess I should start. My uh, mom's from Nebraska, raised Catholic, and my dad is from South Africa, uh, Indian Hindu background. And so his side of the family is more religious than my mom's. Um, my grandmother is very, very strong faith in Hinduism. And I think that together I've just kind of seen ups and downs, similarities, discrepancies, I guess. So I think as a whole, I agree with what you're saying. There's, I certainly think there's something above us and all that. I don't know if I can say this one religion has it all down. Who it is. Yeah. All right. Well, right. There's a lot of overlap between a lot of them, a lot of religions. Well, I think that each of the religions attempts to answer the big philosophical questions. Origins, where did I come from? Why am I here? How am I supposed to live? And what exactly is going to happen to me when I die? I think they all try to answer that. And this is, this is how I kind of put it together. I think that a religion needs to answer all of those questions, which they all do, but they need to do it coherently. In other words, they need to be consistent internally with their own argument. They can't contradict themselves. And I think externally, we need to be able to verify, you know what, that comports with reality. 
that aligns with the way that the world actually is. And so when I look at a religion, it has to hit all of those satisfactorily, coherently, without contradiction, in a satisfying way. That's how I think you judge whether religion is worth following or not. Yeah, sounds right, yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'll tell you what. Let me, let me ask you. Let me give it a go with you. I'm a Christian. All right, so I just tip my hand. I'm a Christian. Let me see if I can explain those boxes. And you tell me if you think this is coherent and satisfactory. All right. So origin, I don't think that you're lucky. I think you're designed. It's too intricate. Your mouth is too intricately designed to not account for a designer. So I do believe that there is a God and that we are actually made. And from a Christian perspective, that's what the holy book of the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made that God actually knit Nick together in his mother's womb. So God, you're so intricately designed. He actually wove you together to make you exactly what he wants you to be. So that's the origin story. Why are we here? How are we supposed to live? Where are we going to go when we die? That's the meteor stuff too. So here's what the Bible says. God created you. You are owned by him. He is holy, he is good, he is righteous, he is perfect, and we have a problem, we're not. We don't always obey, and he's given us a conscience, that courtroom in your brain, you know, that little thing that tells you, Nick, you shouldn't be doing this, or that was a bad thing to do, that he's given you a conscience to know that lying or stealing or lusting or looking at porn, dishonoring your parents, that those things are bad, that those things are wrong. And because God is just, he is going to hold us all account. So criminals aren't going to get away. You know, when you watch the news and it's like murder cases, I think like half the murder cases aren't even solved. So somebody's running around a murderer. God's not going to let anybody get away with anything because he's just. So there's going to be a day of judgment where God is going to open up the books on Nick and on me and on everybody else to make sure that crimes are accounted for. And when he discovers that we are guilty because of his justice, he is going to give every criminal what they deserve. Justice will be satisfied. And so his penal system, the punishment system, is a place called hell where people go because of their crimes, not just committed against one another, but against God himself. So the Christian worldview would say everybody on the planet, because they've broken the laws, deserves to go to hell. And I'll just stop right there and get your thoughts because there's one last little note on the story. Tell me what your response to what I just said. That everyone's going to go to hell? Should. Stupid. I mean, okay. I don't know. stupid is a word. All right, why? Maybe not stupid. That's how do you get someone to go behind that if there's no hope? Yeah, right. No, because I, 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 I'm not done. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. All right, I'm not laughing at you, Todd. I'm laughing with you, I think, I hope. All right, your gospel presentation is not stupid. I promise it's not, but we do need to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue this chat with Todd and Nick at Kennesaw State University. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with 
twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities. I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1738. John Wesley's conversion eventually leads to the founding of the Methodist Church. Although he had no intention of forming a separate denomination, Wesley's followers left the Anglican Communion and founded churches throughout England and America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back here on Witness Wednesday at Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd is on campus at Kennesaw State University in some kind of construction zone, it seems like. I don't know, but he's been sharing with Nick. And when we last left him, Nick had just informed Todd that his presentation of man's condition was, well... Stupid, (laughs) was it? Actually, I would not say I agree with that, but let's see how the rest of this conversation goes. Tell me what your response to what I just said. That everyone's going to go to hell? Should. Stupid. I mean, stupid is a word. All right, why? Maybe not stupid. That's how do you get someone to go behind that if there's 
No hope. Yeah, right. Because uh, I'm not done. But let me just see if we can reason together for a second. Let's just say the laws of God are in your conscience, like lying. You know that's wrong, stealing. It's morality in general. I, I think so. And that morality tends to be in India. It happens to be in South Africa. It happens to be in Georgia. It's universal that we all agree, you know, I shouldn't punch you in the nose. Right. right? And you, you know that, and everybody knows that. Well, I think that God has designed that inside of us. That's, that's his standard of morality. And so we know that these things are bad. And so my reasoning with you would be to say, Nick, isn't it true that you've lied? Yes. Yeah. Stolen stuff. Sure. Dishonored your parents. Yeah. Look, sure. Looked with lust at a woman that is not your spouse. No way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. So if God opens the books on you and on me and on everybody else, we've all done those things. We're all guilty criminals. So God should send everybody to hell, right? I guess. I mean, in those, in that lens, but... Yeah. Now, the question is, how do we get out of that, right? And most people would say, we'll try to do good stuff to make up for the bad stuff, right? But there's a problem with that. Let's say you were guilty, you 10 speeding tickets, and you stood before the judge, and you've got a fine of, say, $5,000, and the judge says, all right, you've broken the law 10 times, you owe $5,000. And you said, but judge, um, there's a lot of times I don't speed. I've taught some people how to drive. I help little old ladies across the street. The judge would say, has nothing to do with your guilt. Your good deeds cannot outweigh your bad deeds. You're still guilty, and you owe the fine. So good deeds don't work. But what if somebody who loved you stepped into the courtroom and said, Your Honor, Nick can't pay the fine, but I love Nick and I can, and I'm willing to pay the fine that he owes. Here's the $5,000. You are free to go, Nick. You can be released from the law's grasp because it's been satisfied by somebody who paid your fine. Correct? Uh, Jesus. There you go. You knew more than you thought. There it is. There's the Christian gospel. There's the good news. The bad news part is really bad. But the good news is Jesus Christ is God, never looked with lust, never lied, never dishonored his parents, died on a cross. What was happening was judicial, very legal. The father was pouring out the wrath that you and I deserve on his beloved son so that you and I can have our court case dismissed. So free and clear, you and I can be forgiven, not because of our good works, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's the gospel. Now, remember our our premise, origins, what are we supposed to do? How how, how are we supposed to live? What's going to happen when we die? God made us. We're supposed to live in obedience to God, but we don't. But he's provided a means for us to be forgiven. Therefore, I want to live for him. And I've got the promise that when I die, I'll have everlasting life. I think that's coherent and comprehensive with dealing with reality as we know it. All right. Be honest, because you have been so far. Just give me your take. No, I agree with it. That sounds like a sound way to approach living life, I guess. But is it true? Let me, let me, let me ask it at a different level. Is it objectively a, tr- a true story that I just told you, or is it false? Everything that I shared with you, we should make a decision that it's true or false. Not true for me, because it's irrelevant what I think. Right. Not true for you or anybody else, but is it objectively true? That is the million-dollar question. Your thoughts? 
Probably not, because, I mean, that's kind of the whole discrepancy with religion as a whole, with people who are atheists or follow other faiths, because there isn't that 100% truth, I guess. Whether I mean, I personally believe that, yeah, that's kind of the way things are, but if I go to cross the world, maybe people don't really believe that the Bible is the objective truth, and or someone who's atheist, they don't, they think it's just some people thousands of years ago who probably weren't very bright and just kind of scribbled some stuff down that someone told them. And I don't know. I mean, I personally think that, yeah, that's probably the way it is, but I was raised here in a Christian community. So do I objectively know for sure 100%? No. And I don't think anyone really will till we die and find out. So the, um, the objectivity of it isn't dependent really on zip code. You know, you grew up in America. It just whether it's what you've learned or not or haven't learned doesn't really change the veracity of it. It is either true or it is either false, no matter where it originated from, which, by the way, it didn't come from here. It actually came from Israel. So it's a different location. So that really doesn't make much of a difference whether it's true or false. Well, by location, I mean, obviously, other regions are heavier with their different religions. If you go to, let's say, India, where my family's from, they're Hindu, so they're someone who's born there. They're going to grow up around things, and you take on the traits of where you're from, you know, saying you are where you come from. I was born here. It's a Christian area. You could kind of make that argument that you are kind of your environment. I, I You know what? I, I do agree with you. You do tend to kind of absorb, yeah, you, to follow your community, but... I would ask you to consider, you know, those those big questions about life. Are they answered in a coherent sort of way sure. that you do weigh the other religions? You can weigh Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam or Judaism and see if they're coherent and satisfying. It's my opinion, even though I grew up here. And by the way, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I didn't have that influence. But I think when you look at it objectively, that Christianity is the only religion that deals with reality in a way that's coherent and aligns with just the way that we observe life to be. It's satisfying and coherent. And I would also say to you, it's objectively true. So for instance, if I said to you, the president lives in the White House and you said, prove it. And I said, okay, let's go to Washington, D.C. And we go into the White House lawn and we look in the window and you see the president. I go, there you go. The president lives in the White House. I think the Bible is similar to that analogy. I think the Bible is axiomatic. You look inside its pages and you conclude it's supernatural. You can't help it because of its message, its profundity, its coherence, and it's dealing with life's issues in a way that's genuinely satisfying. I think it's prophetically supernatural. It's archaeologically accurate. The manuscripts that we have tell us that it's exactly the way that the original authors wrote it. And there's one miracle among many that puts it over the top. And here it is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the linchpin. In fact, the Bible actually says that. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead after he was brutally murdered, then we're hopeless. So here's, here's some spreadsheet math for you, for your finance brain. There were 11 disciples that were following Jesus when he was crucified. Three days later, the Bible says he rose from the dead. Those 11 disciples were confronted with death. 
and none of them recanted. Hundreds more saw Jesus Christ, and all they received was they were ostracized from their family. They lost their jobs. They lost their, their loved ones, their way of making a living. None of them recanted, and this is really crucial for your consideration, Nick. They weren't believing what somebody taught, because you can start a cult and get people to believe what you teach. They believed that Jesus rose from the dead because they saw him. So when a gun was put to their head, they said, you're going to have to pull the trigger because I saw it myself. And I can't deny that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So that's the linchpin miracle that would tell you Jesus said he was gone. Jesus said that he's the only way, and he proved it and sealed it by rising from the dead. And that is how you can know that the Bible is actually accurate, true, and worthy of you staking your entire eternity on it. So that's how I think you can know. You've been honest. Go. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds overall pretty sound. Um, I just don't know if you can look at the Bible as something that's 100 objectively true, maybe necessarily the same way you would a textbook or something you order at that library. Um, for a lot of reasons, like, they are kind of just accountings, I guess, for that argument. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with it or anything you're really saying, but I'm just playing devil's advocate, I guess. But that's kind of where I come from. And I think we all agree on that one. Todd, he's overall pretty sound. <laughs> no, actually, I think that gospel presentation was extremely sound and biblically airtight. But let's all be praying for Nick, the future dentist. So many of this generation have been infected with this postmodern lie. And that's what postmodernism is. It's it's a lie. Truth is true regardless of your feelings or your location or your background or your family structure. Nothing can make truth untrue. And postmodernism says, well, you can make the truth what you want it to be. And that's a lie. And that's not my truth. That's the truth. More Witness Wednesday is straight ahead on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Westminster College in Utah, a liberal and despicable place, is standing up to backlash against a new class that it's offering. The class is an elective class, but it requires students to watch hardcore pornography together and study it as, quote, an art form. And the school says they have no intention of backing away from offering the class, saying pornography is as American as apple pie. Look, calling pornography an art form is an attempt to celebrate everything that pornography represents. That's fornication, adultery, sex trafficking, rape. Pornography is not art. It doesn't enhance anyone's life. It actually ruins lives. And you know what? Here's a story that today is criminal, but soon may be celebrated if this whole porn is art depraved mindset is allowed to continue. A former youth pastor in Florida was apprehended by authorities after he sent nude photos and inappropriate messages to an underage girl. Now, the story doesn't go into detail on the background of the former youth pastor, but this kind of behavior starts with pornography. Some people who view this trash never progress to this level here, true enough, but the ability to view it whenever you want, as free as you want, it molds and warps the minds of people into thinking it's acceptable behavior. And soon, it won't be criminal, it'll be celebrated. Christian, if you think evangelism is not vital, look around. America is your mission field. Share the gospel everywhere you go. 
And let's take that a step farther because if a new BARDA poll that was just released is to inform us in the slightest, we have much work to do in that regard. The survey finds that 85% of pastors, but only 46% of Christians, believe missions to be a mandate for all Christians. Why does that large gap exist? Well, if you ask 20 different Christians or pastors, you're likely going to get 20 different answers, and that could be where the problem starts, because I'm fully convinced there's a large misunderstanding of the word missions. Missions is defined to us by the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. That's the heart of missions, but this misunderstanding we have comes by calling the building of hospitals and orphanages and schools and the digging of wells. Those are good things and important things that Christians should be doing. But we've been calling those things missions, and that's not mission work as defined by the Bible. That's mercy work. Important and needed, absolutely, but it doesn't fulfill our mandate of missions, which is to make disciples, evangelize, teach, and baptize. We can dig the deepest wells and help provide clean drinking water to entire villages. And all of those people that we help can go and bust the doors of hell wide open because mercy work, while it's good and important to do, is not biblical missions. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Attributes of God God is omniscient, meaning He knows all things. He knows all things past, present, and future. God does not learn new information, and nothing takes him by surprise. He knows what will happen, and is working all things for his glory, and the good of those who love him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd has been, and still is, I think, on campus at Kennesaw State University today. <laughs> Unless he got hit in the head by some of that flying debris from that construction zone he was just in. Goodness. Hopefully he moved away from that. Hopefully. Let's see. As we check back in now with Todd at Kennesaw State University, it's a Witness Wednesday. This is Wretched Radio. This could not be better because this is Jordan, who is <laughs> who is studying sociology, which is the study of. Um, it's basically like the study of society and how it's like organized and like how people's behaviors make up certain societal like norms. Which is actually what I do want to talk to you about. I wrote this little booklet right here, all right? And it's called 13 Reasons Why You Should Not Commit Suicide. Suicide in your generation is like exploding. Sociologically, why do you think that's happening? I feel like there's a lot of pressure in these modern day societies because even like as myself as a nursing major, I know that Kennesaw's nursing program is so hard and it's so competitive that it's honestly like not been the best time. Some mental breakdowns have happened because it's just like <laughs> anatomy is kind of hard. <laughs> so I just think there are a lot of pressures with school and just like other factors in life from like, I don't know, like family pressures and stuff, like friends. I feel like everything is just kind of heightened in a sense. Just for fun, because this, this could be a real genuine sociological experiment, all right? When I went to school, it was hard too, right? And family issues, we all had them, right? Now, granted, we don't have the phones and we don't have technology, but things were challenging then. 
But the suicide rate among your generation versus mine is radically higher. So what do you think is the issue or what are the components that have contributed to your generation feeling like it's a better option to perhaps take their own life than to live? What do you suppose it might be? I, in a way, I feel like depression, anxiety, and like things that lead up to suicide are almost like romanticized a little bit. I just feel like, I don't know, people just tend to brush it off at something that's not that bad. Suicide? Well, like, I don't know. It's obviously it's horrible, but I just feel like it's more common and that's why it's like romanticized Uh, in a way. Okay, so it's acceptable because a lot of people do it, so it's not such a big deal. Wow. Okay, I'm I'm actually not going to argue with you, but I'm just wondering at what point must somebody get to to think it's not so bad because there's something inside of me that says I don't want to die that's like the biggest decision you can make so I I don't think you're wrong but do you think there's anything else that that contributes to that decision because it is a monumental and it is a final decision I think that a lot of people don't really they're not very aware of all the resources that are available for them which I feel like is also a factor because obviously everybody's trying their best, like counselors and advisors and just like parents, families, family members. So I just feel like, I don't know, it's a tough subject because like it's almost like they have to take the charge in order to reach out for help because you can only do so much without them wanting help. Let me share with you what I think are some, because there's many factors and many variances based on everybody's life. But let me tell you what I think are some of the big things that are contributing to your generation being different in this regard than my generation. And then you, sociologically, can tell me what you think, all right? I think that because here at the university, and even in high school and junior high, you were taught a worldview that ultimately leads to death that the postmodern worldview, which basically teaches there's no objective truth, it is merely subjective. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, we can totally disagree and we're both right because that's our truth. And yet, I think there's something inside of all of us that realizes that's not right. So for instance, if you went to pay for that Yeti mug at the store and they said, that's $30 for that mug. And you said, you know, my truth is it's $15, right? It doesn't, it's like, wait a second. (laughs) But they told me at school that whatever my truth is, is reality. But we live in a reality that says you don't get to define truth. And so I think that there's this, this dissonance inside of a lot of people that's like, I'm being told one worldview that doesn't match reality. And it's causing me to be kind of confused especially about moral issues. So for instance, instead of the Yeti, if there's nothing that is objectively wrong, there's nothing that is intrinsically evil according to the worldview that's propagated here, there's something inside of me that says, actually there is. I know that genocide is evil. It's not a preference issue. It isn't just up to, just because the Germans as a culture decided it, that was not right. It is not right to beat a child. I know that. And yet they're telling me, I can't tell anybody they're wrong. I have to tell everybody they're right. And that's just their opinion. And I think that alone causes such conflict inside of us. 
it leaves our feet firmly planted in midair where we're kind of believing one thing but living in a different reality. And I think that causes enough of a jarring to the human psyche that it can lead people to just a lot of confusion. All right, that's one reason. Thoughts on that? Wow. Um, I agree with you. I remember learning about with the worldviews and stuff and how they portray life as such like a linear thing about like there's a beginning and an end. So you're always taught about like, oh, like there's like everyone's going to die. Like, I don't know where I was going with that. Let me try number two with you. All right. The evolutionary worldview would teach us that you and I are very, very lucky because a dog didn't evolve as far as we did or pond scum didn't make it all the way to But we, we somehow, through the great big cosmic lottery, you and I are just plain lucky. Now, if that's true, that also has some implications. It tells me that there really is no purpose to life. I'm just here. Yeah. I'm living. When I die, yeah. I'm dead. And there's no point to any of this. And if there's no right, no wrong, it doesn't matter how I live. So I walk around kind of confused. I've got myself a guilty conscience because I've got this feeling I'm doing bad things, but I'm told don't worry about it because nothing is really wrong. And then I'm told when you die, the lights go out and you're just worm food. I think that's kind of depressing. Me too. I think about like how, like you were saying about how we're like lucky and how it's like selective of like certain traits that people have, just like your circumstances are so based on luck. Like you don't have any, any control over like the grand scheme of things. And I like, I also feel like that's just like depressing. <laughs> you see, as, as I kind of think it through and I look at kind of the postmodern worldview and evolutionary thinking, I keep coming to a dead end of depression and just going, well, that's so hopeless. I mean, and then two, now this this is a debatable issue, certainly, but there's something inside of us that says, I don't want to die because I just, I've got this feeling there is an afterlife and there's something that is going to happen beyond the grave, which can either be scary or it can be hopeful. But if it's hopeful, that gives me something to live for. But if it's nothing I mean, why, why are you studying? I mean, seriously, why? You're, you're working really hard and anatomy's just kicking you. <laughs> why are you bothering with this? If, you're, if your worldview yeah. is it's godless, it's, it's, it's purposeless. Yeah. I, I think I understand increasingly why so many people this generation feel kind of hopeless and bleak yeah. than formerly. Yeah, I think a lot of... Um my generation, I know that I can sometimes do that, do this. I'll just be like, what's the point? What's the point of all this? Why do I have a job? There I get it. Big questions that none of us can really answer. And it's troubling because you want them to be answered. And you're just going to keep going back to them because they're just such big questions. And I feel like they can, an answer would help you find a purpose. I, okay. There was a guy named King Solomon. Are you familiar with this story? I think so. He was a guy in the Bible, yeah. all right? And he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. This is the one that begins, uh, there's a time, there's a season to every purpose under heaven. And he said things like, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. He looked around. So this is the richest guy in the world. And he looked around and he went, this is vanity. 
So he tried to figure out what's the point of all of this. So he gathered himself huge land, and it didn't satisfy. He gathered for himself many women, didn't satisfy him. He tried learning, so he gathered books, but it didn't satisfy. He tried wine, so he would he would drink his way to happiness. And he said, it's all vanity. This is just vanity and chasing after the wind. So this is a guy that the Bible says was the smartest man ever. And he realized it's all vanity, which is exceedingly bleak. But then he gets to the end of his treatise, the end of his book, and he says, unless. Oh, that's good. And it seems like a good place to take a break. Actually, it's probably not the best place to take a break, but it's time. We only have so much time. And so we have to take this break. We will be right back with more Todd and Jordan. It's Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby 80 percent of the time she chooses life for just 28 dollars you could provide one of those ultrasounds but i would ask you how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide the more ultrasounds the more saved babies please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today and get ready to take some notes because I'm about to save you from being canceled by your very own kids. Are you being a sharent? You know, the person who shares way too much about their personal life on social media. Yeah, if you're looking at the radio all crazy right now, I'm likely talking about you. But look, don't get offended. Just get better. How, you may ask? Simple. Spend less time on social media and more time at Wretched.org. You may have noticed the Wretched website recently got a facelift. And you'll find the new look easier to navigate and locate all of our amazing Yes, amazing content like full daily Wretched TV and radio episodes. The Wretched store is loaded with tons of new resources and the donate page has complete information on how you can become a monthly ongoing gospel partner. So stop embarrassing your kids. Don't be a sharent. Spend your time instead at Wretched.org. It just hits different. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. 
Attributes of God God is omniscient, meaning He knows all things. He knows all things past, present, and future. God does not learn new information, and nothing takes Him by surprise. He knows what will happen and is working all things for His glory and the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Okay, we are back on Witness Wednesday. And when we last left Todd and Jordan, Todd was explaining to Jordan about Solomon's search for happiness and purpose from Ecclesiastes. And just as he was about to explain what Solomon discovered, I took a break. Sorry, this is the story of my life. The blueprint of when to be inconvenient. It's just what I do. But let's get back to that chat now. Todd and Jordan, it's Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. But then he gets to the end of his treatise, the end of his book, and he says, unless, unless a man or a woman is doing everything for God, it's all meaningless. But if you are doing something for the one who is higher who is bigger, who is your creator and maker, then it's transcendent. Then it has purpose because you're not doing this just for yourself. You're doing this for the creator of the universe. And all of a sudden it's like studying sociology. I'm not just doing this to get a grade. I'm doing this to have the mind of God and to think better and to please God. That's what his conclusion was. Believing in God is the only thing that brings purpose and a bit of sanity and an explanation for why things are the way they are. Would you agree with his conclusion? Yeah, I am religious myself. And I sometimes it'll be hard for me to like understand people who are like atheists because I feel like having a religious background, I feel like I have a sense of purpose in life because I have something that I like believe in and something that, I don't know, just like makes me want to be a better person. And So I do agree with him because I feel like we can all like get wrapped up in our worlds, just like our personal worlds, not like thinking about other people or like thinking about society. And when you have that like individualistic mindset, it's just like very selfish and it's very like lonely, I feel like in a sense. So what religion are you? I'm Christian. So how does particularly the Christian religion makes sense of all of these issues about morality and hope and the future and the purpose of our existence. So from your Christian perspective, how would you explain this in a way that has meaning and makes sense? Um, make sense of what? Makes sense of everything. Why did he get up this morning? What, what are we doing here? How are we supposed to live? What's going to happen when I die? You know, the big, the yeah. big philosophical questions. Um, well, I think in like that lens, it's more of like a God placed me on this earth to be morally good and to help other people try to be as good as they can so that in the afterlife, we won't have to worry about things like trivial things like school or like prop like family problems just like things like that i just feel like i don't know these are some hard questions wow you're the one studying sociology (laughs) yeah um i just feel like he placed certain people on this earth to like make society better than what it was before let me give it a go all right 
I'll share with you. I'm a Christian. So let me share with you how I think it deals with all of these issues holistically, because I think there's other competing religions that will answer some of these questions. Like, where did I come from? What am I doing? They might answer one or two of them, but to answer all five of the big questions in a way that's harmonious and internally satisfying and externally verifiable, I think the only religion that does that is Christianity. And I think here's how it, here's how it does it. The Bible says you are not primordial ooze. You are not lucky. You are knit together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. So in other words, Jordan, God knew about you before he created the universe. And his intention was, I'm going to make that young lady because I have got plans and purposes for her. I've got work for her to do. That alone should cause you to go, okay, this is feeling better than being just evolved swamp goo. Right, that that God, the God of the universe, intricately designed you. So everything about you, every feature, your exact height, He's got you made the way that He designed you to be made. I think that that's satisfying, both internally and externally, because it's hard for me to imagine you didn't write this. I mean, I walk up here and it's like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff written. It's communicating information. I can understand it. There's intelligence to this paper. There's intelligence in the design of the universe. Clearly, somebody had to had to do all of this. It it didn't just happen. So I think the where did I come from is satisfied by the Christian worldview that says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and he created you. Now it gets trickier. What's the point? What are we doing here? Right? What do you think, Jordan, is God's intention for the universe? Why did he do all of this? What's the big point? Go. I don't know. (laughs) I'm all right. (laughs) All right. Here it is. The story of Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember that one? Two people made in God's image, male and female. He loved them both equally. There isn't one better than the other. He loves men. He loves women. And they were perfect. But they were given a law. Don't eat of that fruit, which seems like kind of an odd restriction, but there was a point to it. Will you be obedient? And guess what? They weren't. Well, you're related to Adam and Eve. By the way, I am too. And sociologically here in chapter eight, where it's talking about racial issues, um, knowing that alone changes the game because you're not one race and I'm not another. We're the human race. You and I are related. The only difference is You've got more melanin than I do. That's it. So the Christian worldview says, you're not my better. I'm not your better. We are co-equal in the eyes of God. All right. But we sinned and we inherited that nature. And you and I break God's laws. We violate his commandments just like Adam and Eve did. But here's what happened in the garden. They broke the laws. They were naked and unashamed. But as soon as they sinned, they were ashamed. And they covered themselves up. And something extraordinary happened. God killed an animal to take the skins and cover them. They were covering themselves with leaves. God killed an animal, shed the first blood to cover their shame. And then he said, I'm going to send somebody who's going to deal with this issue finally. Okay, It's kind of a fuzzy little picture. It's like a great big drama is about to unfold. 
God has to cover the shame and the sins of the human beings by shedding blood. And he promises there's going to come one who is going to deal definitively with our sin and our shame, but he doesn't tell us who it is. And then the Bible progresses, and it gives us clearer and clearer pictures of who that one is who is going to deal with our shame problem. So you remember this maybe from Sunday school. You know all those animals that had to die, Passover, all of those things, blood being shed all over the place for the covering of sins. So literally millions of lambs were slaughtered as a picture of our need for covering for our sins. One day, a man named John the Baptist saw a man walking and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was announcing the one that God was talking about in the garden has now come. And all the blood that was shed as a picture for the covering of sins is now going to be fulfilled by the one who dies to take away the sins of the world. So God created human beings knowing we'd sin so that he could send his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die for sinners as a lamb whose blood was shed, a spotless lamb, so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven. Because God would be unjust if he just waved a magic wand and forgave everybody. That would be unjust. But he's just. And so he pays the debt of sinners in the lifeblood of his son so that for all of eternity, God can be celebrated for being the God who saves sinners. He is so good that he pays the fine that we criminals could not. That's the purpose of the universe. God made the whole place so that his majesty of mercy, grace, and loving kindness could be put on display by saving sinners like you and like me. But now you've got something even more important to think through than this sociology quiz. You've got to figure out if you are going to receive God's offer of forgiveness through his son or not. Can I leave you with that thought today? Yeah, I've got a lot to think about, man. Could I encourage you to think about it today and not go to sleep without thinking about it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to think yeah. about this today. Because what can happen is you kind of suppress it. And then what you're doing is you're, the Bible talks about like trampling on the blood of Christ. It's like you're rejecting like the best thing that ever happened to you. It would imagine it's like this. It's like before starting school and university here, somebody said, I'm going to give you all of my A's, Jordan. You don't even need to study. And if you get everything, I'm going to give you my A's and you are going to graduate magna cum laude. Right? That pales in comparison to what Jesus did. Jesus gives you an A. He gives you righteous standing with God so that you can be with him forever. This is a big deal. So don't let the day go by. Just think about it. It's good news. And that's definitely what it is. Good news. It's the best news in the history of the world. Let's all commit to be in prayer for Jordan, who may have just realized that she might actually not be saved after all. As Todd explained, this is not information you should suppress. Don't say, oh, I've got plenty of time to do all of this religious stuff because you don't know. You do not. That's why the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. And tomorrow, well, hopefully we'll see you right back here tomorrow. But until then, until tomorrow, go serve your king.